You are now listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Hey, Vibers, check out this week's Vibe Select Lounge Artist Spotlight, which this week we are spotlighting Kenyon Dixon, who is an R&B artist that has been in the game for a while, more so behind the scenes. And today we're spotlighting his latest album titled The R&B You Love, which is pretty much chronicling all of the early 90s and 2000s R&B songs that we all grew up loving such as, you know, SWVRL and many, many more. Um, I love this album. What's really great about it is it's also including interludes, which nowadays in a lot of the albums that are created, you don't really hear interludes. So for each track, there's an interlude that comes before each track. So it's like an intro into the next song, pretty much. One of my absolute favorite songs off of this album is called Shine. It is the second track on the album, the R&B you love, and I absolutely love it. It is melodic. It is definitely a very 90s vibe. And so I definitely highly recommend buying this album. This is probably one of the albums that I've listened to most recently that I have not actually, you know, skipped any tracks. I've literally listened from by, from each track, every single track that's on the album list, which is really, really rare nowadays because when you hear a lot of albums, you know, you usually kind of like one, maybe two songs nowadays, and that's pretty much it. But I highly recommend you guys going out and picking up a copy of this L.A. Natives album, uh, The R&B You Love, because it is great. And he has worked with everybody from Jill Scott to Tyrese to Justin Timberlake to Nick Jonas, Kelly Rowland, Kanye West, Kirk Franklin. And I mean, the list goes on. So y'all go ahead and check out Mr. Kenyon Dixon. Well, welcome, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. As you already know, I am your host, Kyra, and on today's episode, I have a very special guest joining me today. I have the best-selling author and copywriter and sexpert, Liv Arnold, joining me all the way from Australia, you guys. She has been very gracious enough to come. She's a whole day ahead of me, so I know our schedules are a little off whack, but she's joining me today. She has been featured in many publications such as Playboy, FHN, Cosmopolitan, and Harper's Bazaar, just to name a few. How are you doing today, Miss Liv? Great, Kyra. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. So you got into writing when you were really young and you said that your love for writing started when you used to read books to uh, your siblings by the author Enid Blyton, who is a children's book author. So what about her books inspired you to want to start writing? I loved how her books, like, it sort of takes you to another world. Um, So I was reading books like The Children of the Cherry Tree Farm and The Twins of St. Clair and The Secret Seven and The Famous Five and uh, all all these kids, they were going on adventures and and they were usually ordinary, normal kids and it, it was so easy to picture myself to be able to do this and go on adventures too. So that... Yeah, and I really love that. Like my brothers were big readers when they were younger, but 
they loved listening to these stories. I guess they didn't really need to do anything. They just needed to lie there and just listen. (laughs) So what got you into wanting to write romance novels per se? Because reading children's books and then writing about romance novels is a huge stretch. There's a big difference. So what got you into that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, um, so when I was doing, um, I was working full time in the Big Four Bank. That was my first um, full time proper job after I finished university, and it, and um, yeah. So I really hated that job. So it was in um, home loan sales, and um, I hadn't really thought of writing as a potential career move right? because I thought it would be so far fetched to be getting a a book publishing contract or to do anything remotely to do with writing. Um, but then the time I, I did really hate my job. My mum suggested for me to do a creative short writing course. And it was a few hours after work every week that ran for about eight to 10 weeks. And actually I wanted to that first course I did, it was for children's stories because I thought it'd be really cool to write the first book that um, that kids would potentially read or write a book that would start a kid's love for reading. So I really did enjoy So I got into writing wanting to do children's stories and it just happened that I ended up writing erotic romance instead. No. So... As a kid growing up, would you say that you were someone that was very sexually expressive? Have you always kind of been into sex and romance or what kind of evoked you to want to do to write about this? No, I'm I'm so introverted. So I I, I was the biggest introvert as a child um, and just really shy. So I wouldn't say I was expressive, um, especially since my parents are a little bit more conservative mm-hmm. um so I guess like I, I started really enjoying reading these sex scenes um firstly when 50 shades came out um, I love that I know there's a lot of yeah so I know <laughs> a lot of people don't like the series and I know that a lot of people say that it's not the best written but when I first read it and read the sex scenes like I think the author did a good job in like introducing this to a lot of women and and for women to be thinking it's okay to be reading this stuff. Um, it hadn't really occurred to me to be reading uh, erotic romance beforehand. And, um, yeah, so that's when I really got into it. And then I started reading other romance authors like um, the best the New York Times best-selling author Meredith Wild, who um, kindly provided a quote for the cover of my novel *Stepping Stone*, and um, and I also read Jay Kenner and uh, Cherry Adair, and each of them wrote um, really sexy romances, but it had such depth and richness in their stories and their character development. So it it, it sh- sort of showed me that erotic romance doesn't have to be isn't about the sex scenes. It's it's one way of driving the plot forward and to be able to um and, and to be able to read women that takes charge of their life and sexuality and not not afraid to to say what they want. So yeah, so so I, I, I really love though I, I love reading these books now. 
Yeah. And, you know, you made a really good point um, just right now when you said that, you know, women have always been afraid to express themselves sexually. And I feel like that's a big concept that's been an issue within our society. Now, in the United States, especially, yeah, we have always been a very sexually oppressed society. You know, sex mm. has always been, been deemed something that, you know, is very bad. A lot of people have never really been able to get in tune with their sexuality or, or kind of find yeah. themselves in that way. I don't know if it's kind of the same in Australia, but is there a mm. difference in the way that you guys express yourself sexually in Australia compared to the United States, or would you say it's kind of similar? Um, I, I would say if anything, Australia is probably more um, repressed c- compared to the States because um, I heard that people in, um, in the States, they speak about being in Playboy really, like like it's normal and like and and a lot of people do have only fans there. While in Australia, it's sort of still seen as sort of taboo to have only fans and um and, and not really many people have it here. So I think if anything, it's probably more um it's probably less conservative in the states and here it is quite conservative. Like um. Like people do snigger like sex scenes. I remember the first time I ever read a passage. It wasn't even a sex scene. It was a passage from my book out to um, out to colleagues, and there was a lot of sniggering, a lot of laughing, and I, I don't know. It was like about. It was almost like people don't really know what to do when presented with that sort of thing, even though it is human nature. Right. So, do you feel like? Because in the United States here, a lot of our uh, people being so sexually oppressed largely evolves uh, religion, Christianity per se, because we are in the United States here. We are predominantly Christian um, country. But in Australia, do you feel like a lot of that has to do with religion or just kind of how the societal structure has been amongst men and women in your society? Yeah, yeah, I think it's more about this society, um, how people view it. It could be all stemming down to religion, but um, I think society in general, they don't feel comfortable with talking about sex, even though it is human nature, um, everyone does it. And, uh, and like, especially with books, so I get a lot of comments saying, is this inspired? Is this sex scene inspired by real life, or um, is something this dirty inspired by something you've done? Which is like, in a way, some form of sexism because um, when you're looking at a thriller writer, pe- people don't ask them, "Have you murdered someone in real life?" So there's that right. double standard there. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Which is which is it's- a great point you made. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and people don't realize that difference that um, that it, it is fictional, like just like any other genres, it can be fictional. Some parts can also be based on um, real life, but it's the same as any other genre. Right. So do you? So I know that you said you were someone that was very introverted um, growing up as mm. a child. So do you feel like? you creating these sexy romance novels is a way for you to live vicariously through the characters? Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Like I've always enjoyed writing sex scenes. 
friends and um and I think everyone deserves mind-blowing sex so each of my books I usually do a different theme of sort of sex scenes so in my first book Laura Disorder I use props around Mm -hmm the the house to sort of heighten it so um in that book there's like a kettle kettle whistling so that's like heightening that climax scene and with my book etched in stone um the people the main characters Vanessa and Sebastian they they have a kink for having sex in public places but it's like that thrill of almost getting caught and in stepping stone there's the couple, uh, the main female character, she always had um, a kink for light BDSM, but it's a second chance romance. And in that story, she was it, she was always too embarrassed to voice that to her husband or to anyone else. Um, and even though she had been with her husband for 20 years and they were separated at the time the story began and then they worked their way back to each other. So even though she had been with her husband for so long since um, they were teenagers, she always felt embarrassed to voice what she wanted and she goes on this journey to um, to be able to have that confidence to express what she wanted. And I think that's important for both men and women to be able to do as long as it's in an open and healthy and respectful way. Right. So do you ever get, do you see that there's, when you're creating these books, um, the feedback that you're getting, is it predominantly from women or men or both genders? Uh, predominantly, I think women read books in general more than men, uh, especially romance books. Occasionally, I do do get some men reading my books, and I do leave review, and they leave reviews or they send me a message, and I find that really rewarding when I get told that um, it opens up a discussion. F- like with their partner to talk about trying new things, especially if they've been with the same person for a long time. Right. Um, and it, it does spice things up a bit because I think that is important if you've been with someone for so long. Um, maybe there's some things that you still don't know about that person and it's important to keep asking those questions just so that um, you, you make sure that you're both still comfortable and, um, and, and, and I guess satisfied with the relationship as well. Yes, definitely. There definitely has to be that sexual chemistry there. And yeah. when you're with someone for so long, you know, you have to kind of spice it up a little bit more because some of the <laughs> things that you may have been doing in the beginning of your relationship gets a little tiring and old. So what do yeah. you feel like are some things that people can do to spice up their bedroom life a little bit more and make it more exciting? Yeah. Um, it, it could be various things. Like I think everyone's secretly or deep down has something that they've always wanted to try. So just whatever suits you and you as a couple. Um, so it could be really anything, but you can just – But it's just like to get that open conversation started and you can start off light and do um, things like even just go to an adult adult toy shop. Um, There's a lot of classy ones around actually. So even just go to something like that with your partner all by yourself and to see what interests you and because there'll be some things that might perk your interest but other things like it just looks odd but like but it's good to be able to go somewhere like that, either by yourself or with a partner. 
Yeah, definitely. So what are your thoughts? So with social media nowadays and over Mm -hmm. the years, people seem like they have been becoming a little bit more open and expressing their sexuality and their sexual desires. So nowadays, you know, social media has kind of taken over a lot of that. You go on social media and you see a lot of women scantily clad, topless, you know, posing completely naked on, you know, their social media um, on on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and things like that. And and now we've seen the evolution of OnlyFans. And I know that you were in Playboy. And so, again, Mm -hmm. you being someone that was super introverted, how did you, how was it for you accepting that offer? How did you feel being on the cover of Playboy and what made you actually want to do that? Well, like, it's, Playboy isn't like it used to be. Like, you don't even have to be nude on um, Playboy anymore. Like, they accept swimwear. And so that's, that's like, all I did, really. And um, so to me, that wasn't that scary just being in swimwear because, like, that's that's just something that you just do go to and wear at the beach and um but I guess people do think certain things of doing something for a more sexually suggestive magazine um I when I do photos um it's more about promoting my book so in my interview I mainly do talk about um a lot of my books and Sorry, and my writing process, and um, and for the photos, I do like to keep things like somewhat like a, a lot of it's still myself, like still like the photos still looking neat, not not too explicit because that's just not who I am. But mm-hmm. I think um, with other people that might be into more doing daring um, photos, I, I think people have been more accepting of doing the more daring photos, even though still people might look down on that. But when I look at it, I, I just sort of think that's like it, it like just good on them for be, having the confidence to be able to do that and um and, and putting themselves out there. And if that's what they want, just just go for it really. Right. And you know, there's been also a lot of controversy in regards to Playboy. And some of the things that were going on in the mansion and with Hugh Hefner and things like that. And I know Playboy has been obviously a huge advocate for women's sexual expression. So did you feel like even in not completely being nude, that Playboy with kind of, you know, what's come out about Playboy still represented you and your brand and you would do it all over again if you had the opportunity to? Knowing what you know today. yeah, like yeah, there there has been a lot of um, articles about Hugh Hefner, um, about like him pretty much drugging people, and um, yeah. So I I think with him, he was always represented as this dirty old man. At um, <laughs> yeah, and I I would still do it again, but like because I did it in my own way. Um, and I think these women, um, there's been a lot of talks on whether to believe them or they'll be thinking or people will be thinking, like, why did they stay for so long? But um, I think people, like, it, despite all people's reasons for why they decided to stay in the mansion or stay with Hugh Hefner, um, it still doesn't, it just because they were willing to do 
um, to stay around. It doesn't really give him the right to be doing that. So, right. yeah, so I, I think a lot has changed in terms of consent and and being able to get that enthusiastic consent and, it like, if it's not a enthusiastic, yes, it's a no. So a lot has changed in this day and age. Mm-hmm. So were you able to meet Hugh Hefner when you posed for the cover? Oh, no. No. So this was a, a year ago. So he, he's oh. long passed away. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that, yes. Yeah, so, so much has changed over time since then. Um, yeah. They've also yeah. become very gender fluid as well. I see that they are mm-hmm. now representing the LGBTQ community. Um, and so I want to get into a little bit of this whole OnlyFans thing. So OnlyFans yeah. has, is blown up. I don't know how big it is in <laughs> Australia, but I can imagine it's just as big as it is in the States because it's worldwide at it's this point. It's actually not that big here. No? Mm. Oh, okay. No, I mean, it's not, not actually that big here. Why do you think that is? Is it still because, like you said, Australia is a country that is not just super sexually suggestive like we are yeah, over here Yeah, I think now? so. Yeah, I think the States is probably more suggestive in doing that sort of thing or more accepting of it. Like I, I heard in the States, every second person might have only fans where yeah. um, we're here. Hardly anyone I know has it. Right. And I mean, it's, it's interesting to see now how even celebrities have, you know, only fans yeah. nowadays. It's and no one is really against it. And that's kind of the beauty about it. And I feel like with only fans, you know, it is another mm. means of sexual expression. I mean, there's sex workers on there. There's some people that just, yeah. you know, put their feet pictures on there. So what are your thoughts about OnlyFans? Do you feel like that is a good site for people to kind of sexually express themselves? Or do you feel like it's something that you don't recommend people doing? What are your thoughts about the OnlyFans thing? Uh, it depends on how comfortable people are, like, um, I don't think I would ever do OnlyFans, but I think like if I knew I would make a lot of money, I probably would do it. But like, <laughs> um, I I think, yeah, I heard only about 1% of people make any sort of money with that. But I think if it's something that people want to do and feel like it's freeing and they really enjoy expressing themselves in it, um, yeah, they should just go for it. And um, especially if they can make money out of it as well. Um, Yeah, so I'm all for um, sex positivity. Like if it's your choice to do it, then people shouldn't judge if you're not hurting anyone else. Um, Yeah, so so I'm a strong believer of it's your choice. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Um, so how do you feel being that you're introverted yourself? Mm. Um, how would you, what is your depiction of how people should sexually express themselves? So in our society right now, although it's, you know, becoming a little bit more open sexually, I do feel like women, there are still a lot of women out there that are overly cautious about how they depict themselves and not wanting to wear certain clothing because they don't want to be deemed slutty. Um, I can, I can even tell about a personal experience that I've had where I've gone yeah. places and I'm not scantily clattering anything but you know I look classy but sexy at the same time and there have been times where people have thought maybe I was a working girl although I was not although I am not (laughs) um and it could be a little hard because you know men in our society are able to 
express themselves sexually by having multiple partners and women in our society, yeah. we're not able to do that. So do you feel like you're someone that would be against a woman having multiple partners to kind of find what she likes sexually? Because I feel like that's another big issue with women is that, you know, a lot of times when it comes to us wanting to be sexually pleased, we don't really know what we want because we've never been able to figure experience that for ourselves, you know? Yeah. So how do you feel like a woman can get comfortable with her body in order to, um, you know, figure out what she likes sexually? Yeah. I yeah, I get what you mean because even on social media, sometimes I think, I, I sometimes if it's an image that I love, that I think, oh, maybe I look too too suggestive in that, or maybe that's too sexy, or maybe a bit revealing. Like I do think twice about posting it. Um, and a big part of that is to like maybe stop caring about what other people think mm-hmm. um, and doing what's best for me because everyone will always have an opinion on what you do. Um, so a lot of my photos, um, most of them aren't that revealing. Uh, a few of them may be a little bit, um, but most of them not. And a lot of them, a lot of my social media is like posting maybe silly videos, stuff about my interviews, but occasionally it's like the more sexier photo, like um, maybe something Playboy or FHM. And uh, with something like that, I do get unfollowed mm. every time I do post photos like that, which um, which is a bit weird because you would think people are used to seeing that sort of thing um, in this day and age. But mm. then on the other side, I do get unfollowed for other things. Like even if I post a photo about my book, I still got get, un- get unfollowed. So I just think I can't please everyone, so I may right. as well just do, do, do what I want. Right. Um, yeah, and things with um, having multiple partners and being accepted for men – uh, like th- there's been um pe- pe- there's been more discussions about polygamy or open relationships and I think just as long as it's like there's an open and respectful conversation um yeah it- it's good to be able to explore that if that's what you want um and, and to be able to address boundaries like say for example um you have a partner but then maybe want to discuss having a threesome or something like that um that like it's good to have that conversation just to establish boundaries like for example no inserting here or like it will only be like we're we're 98 percent monogamous but we'll only do this once every once in a while just as just to make things interesting. So, yeah, I think it's just like just to have those firm boundaries if you want to explore those. But if you're a woman and you're single, if you want to date multiple people to figure out what you want in a man or a woman or um, what you want sexually, I think that's okay too, just as long as everyone's on the same page. And, um, yeah, because I think the thing with men is sometimes they do want to explore things or – um, I guess it, like it, it can be like this for women as well. Like if they want to explore things, what they want in the partner and go on dates with multiple people, um, it's good to be open about this just so no one gets hurt, I think. Right. I definitely agree. And you know what's really interesting is I'm a little older. I'm a little seasoned. And mm-hmm. when I have, when I talk to a lot of the younger people, um, oftentimes, especially for women, I feel like the dating scene is very 
tainted nowadays because I feel like a lot of the younger people don't really even date. So I feel like now we're having a lot of people just diving into relationships just so that they can say that they have a partner because I feel like people yeah. in a sense also don't like to be alone. So when I hear from a lot yeah. of young people, they say, oh, you know, I'm dating so-and-so, but they're not really dating them. They're also actually just in a relationship with them. But the words yeah. haven't actually been said that, you know, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, but we're doing everything that's boyfriend and girlfriend. And meanwhile, yeah. the female is the one being loyal to her mate, but yet her, you know, partner is not being faithful to her and is dating other people. So, I mean, I I think, you know, there has to be, like you said, a lot of discussion that needs to be had as far as what your idea of dating is, if we're going to be exclusive, if we're going to be dating other people and boundaries, because I've been seeing, especially lately, there's so many couples that have been breaking up. So I feel like a lot of people are nowadays getting into relationships for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And I think um, when as, when I was younger, I was worried about maybe being alone. Um, not as much anymore. Um, I, I'm married anyway, but um, but I, I was worried about being alone. And I did have that insecurity that no one would like me or um, I had to be a certain image for people to, to like me or want to be with me. And I, I think I still do have that insecurity sometimes that people won't like me for who I am. And, um, yeah, but you hear so often people do get into this new term, people called situational ships, where right. you, you do have all those things of dating, but it's not moving forward. Right. And, yeah, I, I, that's probably the, one of the biggest traps in this day and age for dating to be trapped into that sort of thing or something never moving forward if that's what you want. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of that really stems from, you know, the structures that we've been having our in our societies for a long time where, you know, it's all about having relationships. It's like you get in a relationship and you get in a relationship to get married and have kids. So there's been this bump, a bump, a bump, bump. like it's just a yeah. you have to do one thing after the other after the other. And so I think nowadays people are starting to come into their own and feel like, well, you know, society doesn't have control over how long I date someone until I decide I want to be in a relationship or even if I'm in a relationship with someone, you know, it's on my terms whether or not I want to get married and when I want to get married or even if I want to get married. But the problem that's starting to happen is people are starting to, you know, become a little selfish because I also don't feel like it's okay to string someone along either. And I feel like that's what these type of situationships are doing. People are in these situationships wasting their time. They really have no goal or plan on where they want to go. They're just coasting pretty much. And it's really not, it's really showing that it's not healthy nor successful, you know, because in the end people get hurt, you know? Yeah, I I think so too. And, uh, and it just comes from someone maybe not being honest or they, they just want to do this for their own selfish reasons, just to keep someone around. Like I remember there, there was this guy, he was messaging me all day, every day for about, a year and I mm. thought he had genuine feelings for me because like or else why would someone be doing that like um and be asking my opinion on everything and and also to be wanting that close contact throughout the day but then but then later on I discovered he was dating people and he never mm. once mentioned that throughout the whole year and then um 
I, I did feel shattered at the time, but then I also like a part of me was also thinking, what? Why would he do this? I, but I think it all stems down to they just they they might he might have enjoyed my company, and, and but it, when it comes down to it, it's for their own selfish reasons, not to mention anything, but just to keep someone around. And yeah, and, and it and, and it's good to think about the other person too, and not just about yourself when doing something that could affect people's feelings or emotions. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, what it boils down to is people wanting their cake and being able to eat it too. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, I've been also seeing a lot on social media where, you Mm. know, this is from what I've heard, this has been going on in the celebrity world forever, but now regular people are doing it a lot more, which is having uh, Mm. polyamorous relationships. And I know you kind of briefly mentioned that in um, the show. And, you know, what I'm starting and you know, people obviously, you know, they can do whatever it is that they want to do. They can live their life how they want to live it. But the downside about this whole polyamorous, you know, situation that people got going on is that people are doing it for the wrong reasons as well, because, you know, oftentimes I see these polyamorous relationships are very one sided. It's the males being able to have multiple women, but the women not being able to have other partners as well. And so to me, that's not really a a healthy polyamorous relationship. If you as a male can have multiple partners, but me as a woman, you know, you can't stand the sight of seeing me with another man. And the fact of women actually tolerating this. And I feel like this goes back to, you know, years ago where, you know, for years, women really did not have a say so in relationships. I mean, even when you marry a man, you automatically take on their name in which you take on their whole identity and they have control over everything. You know, women back in the 60s and 50s, they weren't legally able to work, have an education, go to college or dream of, you know, being, you know, whatever it is that they desire to be in life. And so for so long, women have been living in the shadows of men. So I feel like, you know, back then there was a lot of cheating going on. I mean, cheating has been going on for a really long time um but i think because women back then really didn't have anything to fall back on so even if they wanted to leave the situation they didn't have any sort of income because they were relying heavily on their men they just sat back and allowed their men to do it so i feel like in a sense now still in our society women still do the same thing because men tell you well I'm the man you know this is my hormones tell me that you know I have more of a sexual desire than you as a woman which is a complete lie um and so this is why I cheat and women oftentimes accept it so what are your thoughts about this I think that's just an excuse probably um I think if you want to get into an open relationship it's only if both of you are allowed to do it like I think a lot of people do have double standards. Like it could be one set of rules for yourself and another set for your partner. And uh, yeah, and also depends on the reason why you might want to do it as well. Like um, I think a lot of relationships, they might get a bit stale. Like if you've been with someone for so long, Um, but there's also other ways to explore, to explore your sexuality. Like people, go to swingers bars or there's bars where you can have sex in front of people. So that that's something that you, you can look into to do together as a couple if you want to try something new. Um, yeah, but there, there is always that double standard. Like uh, like uh, when, be, when when um 
I never had that much luck in dating. Like I know I'm married, but I never had much luck in dating. So, uh, so I'm I had a few different guys like that I dated like in the past, and they all had the same traits. Like in the way that sometimes that they they would be messaging me every day, but then they would disappear for maybe 24 hours, 48 hours, and mm. or a few days, and then they would when they would message back. Um, I would see it, but then if I don't reply back within a few hours, they would follow follow up with another message saying, um, "Oh, like sorry, I was just really busy," or "Are you not talking to me?" or um, or, or something similar to that, like um, "Like please don't be mad." But so I, I think like it, it's similar in that way that they, they do think that it's one set of rules for them, like they can disappear and maybe not even say the reason why, but you're not allowed to do that as well. Right. It's the double standard, you know, Yeah. you know, they feel like as women, you can just sit back and take it. You'll be crying about it for a few days. You'll, you know, cry over a tub of ice cream and then you'll be over the whole situation and forget anything happened and just forgive them. <laughs> yeah. And just waiting for them to come back. Right. Right. So, so we, yeah. Yeah. So we just yeah, need to so, put our foot I, down on these yeah, men. I think so. And I, I don't think it's necessarily about playing games. Like if they disappear or take a long time to reply, then you do the same thing as well. I think it's more about having that self-respect for not like sitting around waiting for them. And um, it, it's something that I, I'm still learning like to set boundaries with people in general and to yeah and to to be able to stick up for myself a bit more um and and to be able to show a bit more self-respect right definitely so do you feel like so I I know a lot of times when you start dating a guy and you know you go on a couple of dates with him and then you know you start dating officially right and there's that agreement between the two of you How do you feel like a woman should handle when a guy wants sexually suggestive pictures? Because I've been in situations where everything's going good with the guy and I like him. We went on a date or two. And then, you know, instead of wanting just a, a regular picture of me, they want me to send a sexually suggestive picture. So when you're dating someone, should you send those types of pictures? It depends if you want to or not. If it turns you on, then yeah. And if you don't think they'll share it, then I guess yeah. But mm-hmm. if it's but if it's something you think it's too soon, um, I sort of learned to like you, you have to set those boundaries. Like if it's something that you might be willing to do in the future, actually like say it to them. Like maybe say if you don't want to make it a big thing, just you just say something like, I think you're mistaking me for future me for someone that you've been on multiple dates with and have known for a long time for someone to send something like that. Or if it's a flat out no, just say that that just goes against my boundaries and to be able to be okay with saying it and not having to explain why. Yeah. And that, and that's, you know, I think one of the common themes in this conversation is setting boundaries yeah. um, and knowing yeah. how to set them and when to set them and knowing when to look for the signs. Because a lot of times, you know, people will really show you who they are in the beginning, but 
there's yeah. often times where we overlook those signs because maybe we really just want that, you know, we're really interested yeah. in that person. So we sometimes go against our morals or whatever because we really are infatuated with the person. So we got to look yeah. for that. We got to watch for those signs. You know, it's important. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And uh, and a big thing to know is it's not about how much you like the person. It's about how much they invest in you or how they treat you. And I, I and a lot of women, they they maybe don't have that confidence to get to that level. And to, and that's how you treat the person that you're dating. Like um, that's how much you invest in them, but the, how much they invest in you. Uh, yeah. So what would you say is the age group of readers that you have? Um, is it typically like 19 to 35 or do you have a little bit more of an older audience? Uh, I would say it's um, from about uni age, maybe 21, 22. And then I have readers up until maybe 50. Um, I do have some in their 60s, though. So, yes, and my readers come in all walks of life. Some of them are stay-at-home mums. Some of them are uh are full-time corporate professionals. So they all come from all walks of life. And, and and a lot of the people, they see romance books as only for desperate housewives and there's a lot of stereotypes around that. And, um, and even as authors, there's that stereotype that romance authors, uh, they can't write that well because it's all very um, formula and people have that stereotype in their heads that – it's only desperate housewives that are writing these books or frumpy women. And yes, yeah, so there's a lot of stereotypes with this sort of thing as well. Mm-hmm. And so with the age group that you have of women that yeah. read your books, would you say that a lot of them are coming to you reading your books and writing about, you know, your books and stuff due to the fact that, you know, they're looking to spice things up a little bit or they're feeling they're looking to feel a little bit, a little bit more sexually liberated or they just really enjoy your books. They just really enjoy romance novels. Yeah, a lot of people really enjoy romance novels. Like it's romance novels is the highest selling genre out of all genres. Um so, but for some reason, it's the most looked down on. Um, I, I try to provide a unique, a different aspect of um, writing romances. So it still does have that happily ever after at the end. But I, I do write uh, people that's relatable with relatable challenges like mental health. Um, so my main male character in Stepping Stone, he, he has mental health challenges from being in the war in Afghanistan and um so since I've always had anxiety I use my symptoms to go in the to portray in the book and um and I think a lot of people that they do also like reading those relatable storylines and uh, especially when it comes to anxiety or depression or other real life challenges like with my novel um a couple they separate because of like pretty much a breakdown in communication and they work on themselves and each other to uh, get to, to work the, their ways back to each other. And 
I think specifically a lot of my readers, they do like those relatable storylines so that they can picture themselves in it as well, even though the other storylines can be fun as well, like the billionaire romance or the royal romance. And, yeah, so so a lot of it, it's about escaping to another world or fantasy. Yeah, and, you know, I love that you mentioned mental health because how does someone, you know, that may be dealing with mental health be able to get comfortable enough to even want to go on to a date or how could they get comfortable enough to sexually express themselves? Because, you know, usually someone who is going through depression or, you know, whatnot or anxiety, it may be a little hard for them to kind of get out there on the dating scene and want to date because of what they're kind of going through mentally and emotionally. So what would be uh, something that you would say to those people that are going through that and experiencing that um, to be able to uh, how and how they can be able to have like a healthy sexual relationship with someone, even with dealing with their mental health issues? Yeah, well, the firstly, people should know that you don't have to be healed to be able to find someone. Um, I know there's a lot of quotes or those inspirational quotes out there saying that you need to be completely happy with yourself before you're happy with someone else. But with that, it, it sort of implies that people have to can't have emotional baggage or anything before until they're worthy for a relationship. So you don't need to be that perfect um, to be able to start that relationship. And it's quite common for mental health challenges in this day and age. Uh, everyone experiences it at some stage. And, um, and and sometimes a partner, they can support you through mental health challenges. And there, there is some, someone for everyone out there. It might take a little while, but uh, I, I do. I am a believer that there is someone out there for everyone, and finding your person. And it's yeah, and, and it is, and it can be a bit frustrating until you find your person. But there, there, there is someone out there for you, even, even though that's annoying to hear sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I've definitely heard from people um, who may be dealing with mental health, how it can be challenging for their partners to help yeah. them through the process, especially when you're someone that isn't familiar with it. Um, a lot of times you don't really know how to be of assistance. So for someone who is dating a, their partner who is dealing with mental health, what would you say yeah. to that partner and how they can help oh, well- their partner work through that? Well, I've always had anxiety since I was young. So when I was young, I would be, even at school age, I would be worrying about small things that would never happen until the alarm went off. And so I I have a lot of anxiety. And my husband, he says sometimes that dealing with my anxiety can be a full-time job, especially mm-hmm. if my thoughts are spiralling. Uh, but really there's not much they can really do sometimes um so for for advice for partners is don't feel like you need to fix it sometimes it's they just need someone to to voice their concerns with but I also think to know what maybe triggers them to anxiety Mm -hmm. and also know what helps them so different things help different people with mental health challenges um I I tried 
low dosage anxiety medication and that never helped me. And I also tried cognitive behavior therapy and that never helped me as well. But um but for me what helps me is the more physical aspects. So challenging my body to reset my mind, like doing the cold showers. Um so while I'm in the cold shower, I'm just thinking, I just can't wait to get out of here. And in the last two months, I've been doing jujitsu and Muay Thai. And and I've never been really athletic in my life. And it's it's been a good learning experience because it's been training my mind that when I fall over, get back up. And so it, it's more about the individual person to think about finding something that could help them it's not up to their partner to fix them but yeah but it's still but I guess the only advice is to think if is to know what might help them like if I'm getting an anxiety moment my my husband might suggest going for a walk or something like that but yeah but it can make the partner feel a bit helpless while watching their partner spiraling sometimes right do you think also maybe that partner if, you know, the one that is dealing with mental health decides they want to go to therapy or see a psychiatrist, you know, for mm. their mental health, do you think it could also be useful for their partners to come along with them on some of these sessions? I know that sometimes there's like a privacy thing when you go to some of these sessions, but if the therapist and, you know, the, the person dealing with the mental health is open to you, do you think that it could be useful for their partner to come along with them to said sessions? Yeah, it could be useful just so that they could sort of hear their thought process and what their fears are and um and even though it's not the partner's job to be fixing them but it could be beneficial to come to one or two sessions to to know what their thought processes are and to be able to know what's good um what could be some tips to help them or reset their train of thought yeah and so you know I love that we're talking about mental health, especially because, you know, mental health is an issue that has been brought up uh, since really the pandemic. I mean, mental health has been going on for, I mean, centuries, but it's something that a lot of people really never honed in onto until I feel like uh, the pandemic. One thing that I noticed during the pandemic was that there were so many people going through mental health and committing suicide um, during the pandemic. And, you know, one of the things that was especially alarming, too, was to see so many people on social media, so many influencers committing uh, suicide. I believe there was like Miss Universe um, that committed suicide and she was beautiful and successful. And one of the things that I feel like people need to understand is that just because something looks a certain way on social media, just because someone can seem, you know, sexually liberating or free, you never know what they're going to. I know that you know you said that you're someone that's dealt with anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and yet you know you write Mm -hmm. about romance novels and things like that and some people could feel like well if you're in a position where you're writing about no romance novel and you're on the cover of magazines and although you're not fully nude you're in your lingerie and so forth that you wouldn't be going through these things so what do you want people to know when it comes to mental health and how we need to shape to shape these stigmas when it comes to mental health? And how can you identify someone that is actually what are the signs of someone you feel like that is going through mental health that people need to look out for? Yeah. 
Well, everyone has their own challenges and you don't know what's going on with them internally. Some people might never voice it, so you don't know if something's wrong. Um, I'm one of those rare people that really thrived in the pandemic because I'm so antisocial and I'm, I'm the biggest hermit, so I, I usually don't see anyone anyway, and I, I thrived in it. But I know it was challenging for people. Like, it was challenging for my husband, who's more social and extroverted than me. I, he was getting in a low, in a really low mood um, for not being able to go out. Um, but with me, I never went anywhere anyway, um, so it didn't really make a difference. And um, so – People react to things differently. So you would maybe think that someone that already had anxiety to be really affected by the pandemic, but I wasn't. Well, um, well, my husband, who's very mentally resilient, he was really impacted by the lockdowns and the implications of a lot of things being closed. Um, but uh, I always think that with social media, so when I was on the cover of uh, Playboy Ukraine, when I posted that cover on social media, I did write down something like social media is all smoke and mirrors and mm-hmm. um, and no one is as successful or as good looking like as what they're portrayed on social media and, and no one is as happy as what they're portrayed in because people just put their best parts of their lives and um even with my social media since i i do speak about mental health a lot uh, i i do usually like to say a different side of things so just so that people might not get, might just so people wouldn't get the wrong idea that i'm leading this fabulous fabulous life where nothing's wrong so if i if my anxiety has taken a big dip I I usually am pretty open about it and that's what people should know that things aren't what they appear on social media right you know that's one thing that you know there's a lot of pros and cons when it comes to social media and in today's society but one of the biggest cons is social media you know has become a really big outlet for a lot of people. It is a outlet because it's about self-expression. You know, one of the things that is great about the U.S. is that we have that freedom of speech. Of course, you you know, you have to be mindful of some of the things you say, obviously. But, you know, when you go to other countries, there's a lot of people that don't have those same freedoms of expression. And you can't go on the Internet and be scantily clad or naked or have an OnlyFans you know, do any of those things to express yourself in a sexual type of way. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about social media. The other part about it is when you do put your body out there on display, you know, you open yourself up to trolls and cyberbullying. Oh yeah. Cyberbullying has become a really big thing. So what are your thoughts on cyberbullying and how do you feel like people should combat it? Do you feel like people should just kind of turn off their comments when they see these negative things being said mm-hmm. about them or and um, uh, block these trolls? How do you think people should deal with it? Uh, I, I think that cyber bullies, they should actually be held accountable with the law because a lot of these people won't be saying this sort of thing in real life. They only do it behind a keyboard. And yeah. if, if they're held accountable by the law, 
less people would be doing this sort of thing, I, I believe. So that, that's the first thing, that they should be held more accountable where there could be po- potential repercussions or consequences for driving someone to suicide or um, depression or anything like that. Um, another thing is I don't think social media is necessarily healthy for anyone. So, mm. uh, so it, it's it's good to take breaks from social media and not be so fixated on it. I know it's easier said than done, but I don't like I don't have any social media apps on my phone. Otherwise, I f- find I get stuck in the scrolling cycle where I could mm. be stuck on this for a while. So I just don't have it on my phone, and. A lot of people, they do have that social media addiction and going on social media apps, I don't think it's good for anyone's mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, I will I will definitely agree that um, over consuming social media can be a bad thing because social media is very addicting. I know when I got TikTok because yeah. initially I wasn't going to even get TikTok because I thought it was, you know, one of those apps where, you know, the young kids just dance on it. And I was like, this is useless. <laughs> but when I actually got it, it was like so addicting. I think I spent like five or six hours on there just scrolling, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah. And um. When I first got TikTok, I'm not that active on it, but I actually feel like such a dinosaur being on it because, like, <laughs> making these videos, I find it so confusing. <laughs> I know. You have all these little effects that you could put in, music. It's like you're a whole uh, you're a video editor, production, you know. It's like you're creating your yeah. own film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. So, yeah, but it does open you up to trolls, like, mm-hmm. not even um, – tr- not even just trolls, just some people judging you. Um, like, and it, sometimes it doesn't even matter what you put up. So I have put up photos of me in swimwear, but I've also put up photos just, just um, just usual photos of me maybe holding up my book or me on a night out, and maybe more photos of like lingerie or um or swimwear, I do get more direct messages. And it's so weird because, like, these guys, they're messaging me actually expecting something, even though I've never met them in my life. And even though, like, I I know it's more revealing, but it still blows my mind sometimes that they can message someone they don't know and expect Mm -hmm. something or or just say something like, hello, beautiful, or, 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 let's go on a date or something like that. And they just assume that you'll, you'll do it. But, right. um, but I even hear from other sides, like I, I've seen some authors that I know post things on their social media where they may be aged in their fifties or sixties. And they post screenshots from this guy, from these men saying, and they put a caption saying, I'm not even young and I'm getting these messages. I don't know what's wrong with these people. And nowadays, you know, it's a free market for everybody. You know, no, no person is not desirable anymore. You know, they say that when you get older, a lot of times you become less desirable. But I think social media is proving to us that, no, there is someone for everyone out there. (laughs) I know. And I don't even know what's their thought process behind these messages. Like, it just seems bizarre. Desperate. (laughs) Yeah. At this point. They just assume, like anyone that they message like regardless of who it is they'll be they'll be like yeah sure let's I'm all for this right yeah I I definitely agree I 
sometimes get random messages in my DM, um, you know, because now with Instagram, they have it where you have the uh, general messaging and then you have the message requests, like if you're not following the yeah. person and, you know, I don't get DMs a lot, but sometimes I'll just kind of look through my DMs and I'll see like I have like 20 messages and I look on there and it's all these troll pages hitting me up of just men like, hey, like if you, you know, hit me back, I'll give you, you know, a hundred something dollars. So that you have people up here trying to solicit for sex on social media yeah. when you're not even providing any services to them, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. It's like, and these authors I know in their 50s or 60s, they clearly write down they're an author on their pages. And same with yeah. me as well. Like if you go to my Instagram or Facebook, the first thing people would read on my bio is that I'm an author. So, right. um, yeah, so people should like sort of know that you're not there to meet someone. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. But it's almost kind of like, you know, social media has become the new Tinder, the new Hinge, um, the new dating apps, you know, because honestly, even the dating apps that I've been on are just they're not good. You know, there's a lot of people that aren't out there looking for anything serious. So I feel like for a lot of people, since most people do have social media, it's kind of an easier way to connect with someone you may be interested in, although they may not have a dating app. You know, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, That's my I know. Behind it. <laughs> yeah, like, and sometimes I'll be getting messages, like 20 messages from the same person. Oh, and persistent. Uh, like none of them, like I respond to, but then like they they start asking, like, let's go on a date, let's meet up. I've never responded to them. So it's a bit mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's crazy because a lot of times they'll all, even if you do block them, a lot of times they'll create, you know, uh, duplicate pages and they'll hit you back. And it's like, yeah. what don't you understand? <laughs> if I blocked you the I first know. time, why do you think creating a whole new page? You think you're I'm going to actually respond to you blocked again? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think this is more common for men to do this. Like when you think about the word creepy, you don't. I think it's more common for men to be creepy, to be honest. Not right. as much women. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, for a lot of women, they're afraid to approach men. You know, I have my issues yeah. when it comes to bed. And I will say I'm just on, honestly also naturally a woman that likes to be hunted. I don't like to hunt. And so yes. a lot yeah. of times it could be a little challenging for women to um, approach men because, you know, like men, women are afraid of rejection too. And Mm -hmm. we also, since, you know, men generally have always been the ones that are the pursuers in a situation, you know, a lot of women don't know how to approach a man or what to say. Because sometimes, you know, I've actually, there have been times where I've approached men and it's very awkward for them, I can tell. So, you know, how (laughs) would you recommend, what would you recommend for a woman that is very interested in a man and she's wanting to get out there and date and she sees someone she's interested in? What do you think is a good line to use or what? how do you think she should approach that situation? Uh, I think I'm the best person to ask. Like, terrible. <laughs> You're married, you know. Teach <laughs> like, um, girls. <laughs> I, okay. There was one time when I think I was like 19 mm-hmm. and I wanted to approach a guy. I can tell you what not to do. There was like, mm-hmm. um, he was a drummer on this um of this band in a club, uh, so it was a cover band, and I thought, oh, he's pretty good looking, and I was I was pretty young at the time. I, I was very inexperienced, like 
1819. And so what I did was wrote down my name and number. And I was going to go talk to him. Um, so I wrote it down on a piece of paper. And I was going to go talk to him. But then I froze when I got up to him. And mm-hmm. um, and I just sort of just said, oh, here's my number. And that's the only thing I said. And I gave it to him and I literally ran off. So <laughs> I'm not the best person to ask. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I mean, hey, sometimes you get the the first uh first approach jitters, I guess I would call that whole situation. Yeah. And you know, it happens to the best of us. I think, you know, for me, if you're interested in someone, then what the hell? Why not approach them? You know, they're they don't have to be interested in you. They don't have to be receptive in you. But just know, even if they're yeah. not receptive, that doesn't mean that you should stop trying because you never know. Like I've been in situations where, you know, me dealing with my issues, I've had men that have approached me that are actually pretty decent men. And because I'm, you know, with, you know, dealing with whatever it is I'm dealing with, I've missed out on certain opportunities. And the thing is, we have to remember as women, yeah. like you never know when you could be missing out on an opportunity. You know, you only live once. Why not just try it out? What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. Um, and not to be as worried about rejection. I think that's the main thing. Like mm-hmm. when, say, if you're um a shopkeeper, they'll they'll have multiple people coming in, but a lot most people won't buy anything. So j- just think of it in that way that you're not mm-hmm. for everyone, like a shop. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, definitely. So um, yeah. What is your writing process when you are creating these romance novels? Well, I'm not the most organized when it comes to writing. It's something I do need to work on a bit more to be more structured with my time. Uh, so I mainly free write. I'll I'll mainly know how the opening scene would look. So I usually have that picture in my head and I'll I'll know what the last chapter would look like um and that's usually what all I need the beginning and the closing scenes just so that I have something to work towards um throughout the whole book but yeah but I think I do need to be more structured with my time so I mainly free write until I get to the end um I what I do is I mainly set 20 minute timers um non-stop writing for 20 minutes um, and then at the end, I reward myself with ice cream or something like that, even though I know that that's not that. the healthiest thing to be doing. But <laughs> um, but I, I find that works for me. But down the track, I need to look at more being a plotter and to be more structured and to, to know what each chapter would look like. I think that might fray up some of my time a bit instead of just free writing sometimes. Yeah, you know, I've noticed as, you know, people that are creatives, we – all have very unique ways of how we produce and create our art or our content. And for me, when it comes down to me preparing for interviews, I've noticed that I'm always ADHD. Like I get very antsy when I'm trying to think about, you know, what I'm going to ask the guest that's going to be on my show. And I've noticed that like, I have to actually walk, take a walk to walk, to work through, excuse me, my thought process in Mm -hmm. order to make everything come together. So 
I've yeah. learned also that, you know, because I can be a really big procrastinator that I really also have to time myself with things, too. I'm like, OK, I'm going to spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes doing this, you know, an hour doing this, uh, doing all the research or whatever it is that yeah. I need to gather in order to do an interview with someone. Because if not, my thoughts are going to be everywhere. I'm gonna, going to just be free balling things. And I, I'm someone that does like to ultimately be organized, although I am a procrastinator. Yeah. 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 I can be the same. I can be so organized in some ways. Like, um, like when it comes to holidays, I, I do a full Excel spreadsheet itinerary for what we're doing every day and Mm -hmm. throughout the day. So it's planned throughout the thing, just so that I know I'm making the most out of my time and being in a new country, but with other things, I'm so disorganized. Oh, yeah. You know, but hey, that that is the beauty in the creative process is in the end, the results will be fabulous and things will come together the way that they need to, even if things are a little hectic coming together in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And yeah, but it's something I do probably need to train my mind a bit more and be more disciplined with myself. Yeah. So do you feel like, uh, you know, say, for example, you know, someone's in a relationship and, you know, they're kind of losing their mojo in the bedroom and they want things to kind of spice it up. Do you feel like sex toys are also a really good way to kind of spice things up in the bedroom? Yeah. So there's a lot out there. And especially if you go to an adult toy shop together, it's something that you can choose together for what you both might want to try. And it is something different. And there's a lot of couples toys out there. So not just for the individual that you can try to use together. Like there's a lot of couple vibrators. There's um there's things like vibrating cock rings. There's yeah, there's a lot of things like there's dress up costumes and a, a lot of things like that. But even if it's solo toys, um I think a lot of a, a lot of partners might get turned on by watching their partner use these toys. So it, it is a good way to spice things up. Yeah, I would agree. You know, for a long time, I was definitely someone that was kind of against uh, sex toys because my thought process was, well, if I want to get laid, I can just go out and do that. (laughs) The thing is, (laughs) you know, sometimes it could be hard finding the right choice and partner to do that with. And sometimes when you deal with, you know, a booty call, sometimes they come with a lot of baggage, a lot of stress. And for me to just kind of get my rocks off, it's not really worth dealing with all of that. So I've allowed myself to become a little bit more open to using sex toys. And that is the, I have a little vibrator. It's very small, but that, and it's $25, but that little thing has done more work for me than any of these men have done in a very long time. Let me just say that. I, I think that too. I think a lot of these vibrators and these suctions, I think they're a lot better than most men. Oh, yeah. And, you know, for women, you know, part of uh, sexual expression and self-expression mm-hmm. when it comes to sexuality is knowing about your body, getting more familiar with it, because, you know, I think for the longest time, a lot of women felt a little ashamed to be able to say that they went to a sex store, number one, but they also bought, you know, a sex toy. Um, I think for a lot of men, that's something that's just been, 
you know, a natural thing. It, it, it isn't weird to see a guy going into a sex store, buying a DVD, if they even still buy DVDs anymore, because I know people do like online porn. Um, but it's, it's something that's been acceptable for men to do. So when you're in a relationship with someone as well, I think it's important to know your body so that way you can be able to communicate that to your partner so that they will yeah. be able to be able to sexually please you in the way that you want to, because not everybody is going to know how to sexually please you. You know, it, it doesn't always yeah. come natural. Yeah. And you hear about people faking an orgasm, but I never thought the point of doing that because I, I just say it as if the person's not doing it right, why give them false encouragement? Right. I agree. And you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So, but it it is good to know your own body and sex isn't just about using, like just about getting turned on or having an orgasm. It can be about feeling that closeness and intimacy with your partner. So and it is important to keep that bond and that intimacy as well. Right. Absolutely. So Miss Liv, are you working on any other books currently? Let us know what you got going on and what you have in the works. So for my books, Etched in Stone and Stepping Stone, they're both based in an investment firm. Um, so each book is a standalone book, but part of the same universe. And it, each book is based on a different female team member that works in the data and IT team. And I, I wanted to write that because um, IT and data and analytics, it's usually a male-dominated industry. So I wanted to write about three women that worked in a male-dominated industry, but it's three women in the team. So it's only women in this team. So each book is based on a different team member. And so I'm working on a third book based on the third female team member. So that, that will, I'm writing this very slowly, but this will be coming out hopefully not too long. And another book that I'm writing is another, is in another genre that I haven't been writing. It's young adult fantasy and it's got Asian mythology in it, but it's, it's still romance. So that, that's something that's different for me. So I'm working on both those things at the moment. Wonderful. And so when you've done these magazine shoots, you've done plenty. Um, you've been on Cosmopolitan. Uh, you've done obviously Playboy, FHM. Do you have a lot of creative direction in the process of these magazines? Because I've heard certain stories where people have gone on magazines and they really haven't had much say much say so in the creative direction or how they look or what they decide they want to wear. Was that your experience? Not really. So I, I I pretty much knew how I wanted to be portrayed. So I wanted to be since I do write sex scenes, erotic romance, I wanted to be more on brand with that, like being okay with looking sexy but still keep it me or like still keep it somewhat like some air of mystery in some ways. So, th so that's the direction I wanted to go alongside with my author branding. And I, I was happy with how it the photos turned out. Yeah, they look gorgeous. You look absolutely gorgeous on those photos. And I love it because it's sexy, but very tasteful, you know, because I, yeah, I do. Think yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Like, um, 
I don't think I'm built for OnlyFans, so I wanted to go in this other direction that's more alongside for my author branding. And I, so FHM and um, Playboy, it's more, I guess, sexier, but I've also loved doing things like Harper's Bazaar and InStyle and Grazia. Um, I, I do like to keep it same look and feel regardless of what I'm wearing to that, like whether it's not wearing as much in a swimsuit, but also in on the other side wearing a dress, like keeping it the same sort of branding where, um, I, yeah, it, it's difficult to explain, but keeping it that sort of branding where I'm an author, I'm, I'm in these magazines talking about my books. Um, usually the cover tagline is something like in Harper's Bazaar, it's um, the tagline underneath my name was words that, inspire or even playboy the tagline um it it was something to do with my writing so Mm -hmm. i wanted to keep it as all going towards goal with my writing Mm -hmm. and i love that because you know when you see social media like i said you know a lot of the people are scantily clad you know they have these huge breast implants you know the bbls (laughs) are you know a really big thing amongst women the lip injections and things like that and so there's also become this beauty standard that is impossible in which there's so many women having complications now i know that you know now a lot of the women are taking out of their breast implants and their um you know their butt jobs that they've gotten done because they're realizing they don't have to be overtly sexual to be sexy you know and so i can appreciate what you did with your cover yeah and a lot of these um photos people do compare themselves to professional photos but like you're put in specific posing where it is flattering so uh yeah so I so I think a lot of people like women they do compare themselves to these photos when um I'm usually quite honest saying like it's the posing that makes me look like that um (laughs) yeah it's like (laughs) I don't look like that in real life Like in real life, I'm just in my PJs majority of the times. (laughs) And no one's perfect. And I feel like there's been this unrealistic beauty standard that's been placed out there for a lot of these young women to be influenced off of. And they're chasing that right now. And, you know, like I said, there's a lot of women are finding that they're experiencing a lot of complications and chasing that. So a lot of people are reversing that. But I think it's very important to in order to feel sexy and own your body sexually, you have to be comfortable with what you also have as well, because I don't feel just because you have breast implants that makes you sexy or anything like that. I feel like sexiness is the way your aura, the way that you carry yourself, you know, the way that you indulge in conversations with someone, you don't have to be overtly sexual with anything. Cause even when you listen to the music nowadays and, you know, there are definitely some of these artists that I I love, you know, some of the city girls music I love too, but it is very raunchy. Like the music has gotten raunchier yeah. and raunchier and raunchier, but the, the other hand of it is, you know, you have women that are feeling a little bit more liberated in these times too. But I think that the liberation has just become a little bit ratchet and tacky, you know? Um, yeah. I think it's gone yeah, a little I think off, so too. Yeah, off the deep end. Yeah, I think you can, like, for songs or stories, I think you can still tell the story without all that, like, right. um, 
I, I, I was hearing an interview with Will Smith and he said he doesn't swear in his songs because he believes that he he can portray the message or do a good song without all that. So right. it, it depends on what you're comfortable with. Right. Absolutely. But, you know, I also think it, it says a lot about the times we're in right now, too, where the beauty is, like I said, people are becoming a little bit more comfortable with their bodies and expressing their sexuality. But there's the downside of, you know, expressing yourself, too, and being just raunchy and just tacky. And I mean, I was at a concert recently, a Beyonce concert uh, recently, and, you know, I know a lot of people when they go to Beyonce concerts, they really go above and beyond when it comes to their outfits. But yeah. I mean, there yeah. were people out there that were practically butt naked that didn't have the body for it. And I'm not body shaming, but, you know, you do have yeah. to understand like your size and that, you know, if you were triple XL, you probably should not be wearing something that's extra small. <laughs> you know, you do need to be a little bit more conscious about how you look and realize that. Yes, Beyonce may wear sexy things on stage, but she's also a performer. And you have to know the difference yeah. between walking out of the house, going to the gym, looking like that, or, you know, walking to the store in, you know, uh, uh, you know, lingerie versus, OK, I'm going to, you know, wear this lingerie in the comfort of my own bedroom when I'm about to, you know, do my business or whatnot. And I think that for a lot of people, they can't differentiate that now. It's like people are just wearing anything and feeling like oh well this makes me sexually liberated what's the problem but it's like not everybody wants to see that you know there's a way to do it yeah yeah um and yeah so but yeah it is good that people are getting more comfortable with their bodies but um with some of the photos that I've done I think people sort of assume I'm like that all the time but I'm in my PJs majority of the day because as a writer, I, I just sit in front of my laptop and when I go to the gym, so I go for five days a week doing uh, Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu, I, I, I go there looking like crap. Like I don't even care. Like, um, <laughs> But some people do get more glammed up. Like, But when I go to the gym, I'm just in a Harry Potter T-shirt. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you. That's how I am, too, because, you know, it's it's about comfortability, too. You know, there's a time where, you know, you feel like dressing up when you're going out maybe to meet some friends yeah. or date night or something like that. And then, you know, other days, like you said, when you're riding at home, you want to be comfortable. Or if you're going to the gym, you're not really caring about what you look like because you're just going to sweat all that makeup and, you know, hairspray out of your hair anyway. So it doesn't really matter <laughs> what yeah. you look like. Yeah. Yeah, I do see some women that go to the gym like wearing fashionable gym gear and like they're sort of all done up. And I, I don't even know how they do that. <laughs> like, Me I, neither. It's like <laughs> it, 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 by the end of the class, everyone ends up looking like crap anyway. Right, exactly. So it's, you know, you're putting all this emphasis into it. And, you know, I know more li more than likely the reason why they're doing this is because they're trying to catch a hot date while they're at the gym. Because let's face it, beautiful people do go to the gym a lot of the times. Um but yeah. at the same time, you know, you're going to be sweating it out. You're there to work out, get in shape and go elsewhere. You know, this isn't necessarily like gym isn't necessarily a place for Tinder where you go find someone for hookups or to find love necessarily, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, th I think so. But um, in martial arts gyms, there's actually a big male to female ratio. So it's very male dominated, the martial arts gym. So I would say 95% of the members are 
men. Mm-hmm. So it is a good place to meet guys if you're a single right. woman. <laughs> right. But, you know, you know, those men are sweating it out, too. So at the end of the day, they don't really put too much emphasis on, you know, what you're looking like and if yeah. how tight your yoga pants are and how much your breasts are showing in your little tube top or whatever. They're, you know, generally they're they're going to be sweating it out, too. So, you know, yeah, you, you don't well, have to overdo most- this. Yeah, with most martial arts gyms, most people actually take it quite seriously. So they're mainly just concentrating on the class. So um, I find it's a very respectful vibe there. Um, Yeah, yeah, so everyone's really respectful, especially in jujitsu where you do have to get very and close and personal with people. And but it's actually pretty gross because you. There's like sweat all over the mats. People are drenched in sweat and you have to get really up close and personal with them. But um, but everyone's seriously with just getting done with their technique. Yeah, but hey, to each is their own. (laughs) People are going to do what they're going to do, you know. But yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but you know, Liv, I want to thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Vibe Selection. Please let every everyone know how they can connect with you and where they can get your books. Yeah, so people can get my books on all major online retailers. So places like uh, Amazon, Kobo, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, all, all those places. Um, they can also find me on my website, so livearnold.com or Facebook, Live Arnold Author, or they can find me on Twitter and Instagram, live underscore AU, so L-I-V underscore AU. Perfect. And for those of you that listen to the Vibe Selection podcast, make sure you go ahead and like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney. And if you would like to purchase any Vibe Selection merchandise, you can go ahead and do so at www.teespring.com slash Vibe Selection. Once again, you already know I'm your host, Kyra. Stay safe, stay healthy out there. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics. Find us on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection.